0: The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by T. Rowe Price. Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and The Washington Post Brand Studio. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, January 31st. In today's news, President Trump changes his mind about who to appoint as ambassador to South Korea. Rod Rosenstein makes a last-ditch attempt to stop the release of the Nunez memo. And Hillary Clinton expresses regret about retaining a campaign advisor accused of repeated sexual harassment. But first, the big idea. The State of the Union underscored why Trump is his own worst enemy. The White House went out of its way to say that the president's State of the Union address would be, quote, unifying and contain a bipartisan tone. The excerpts that were released before the speech repeated the word together three times. And that's how he opened the speech. Tonight, I call
0: upon all of us to set aside our differences, to seek out common ground and to summon the unity we need to deliver for the people. This is really the key. These are the people we were elected to serve.
1: But the thing is, Trump said something almost identical to that in his first address to a joint session of Congress last year. In fact, one of the biggest applause lines that night was when he declared, quote, the time for trivial fights is behind us. Well, few would disagree that there have been many trivial fights over the past year. And Trump has started quite a lot of them. Just a few days after that speech a year ago, Trump started falsely accusing Barack Obama of wiretapping Trump Tower. So while many people thought last year's speech was a pivot point, they don't actually think that this year. They don't want to be like Lucy with the football in Charlie Brown. People have come to terms with the idea that there will always be a teleprompter Trump and a Twitter Trump. And everyone knows it's not a question of if but when he goes back to his polarizing Twitter ways. One reason, though, that the State of the Union speech from last night is being received so well, at least initially, is because Trump talked so much about other people instead of himself. He told lots of inspiring stories about heroes from the military to the police. He talked about parents who had lost children in a really poignant way. He introduced a man who had been tortured by North Korea but escaped to freedom, about a police officer who adopted a baby from a drug addict. These vignettes were powerful. They showed that a little humility goes a long way. But even last night, in a carefully written teleprompter speech that was supposed to be all about unity, Trump repeatedly highlighted many of the wedge issues that defined his first year in office. For example, in one of those nice humanizing stories, Trump introduced Preston Sharp, a 12-year-old boy from Redding, California, who noticed that veterans' graves weren't marked with flags on Veterans Day. He decided to change that and started a movement that's now placed 40,000 flags at the graves of our great heroes, as Trump said. It was a sweet moment, but then Trump couldn't help himself, and he took a shot at the black NFL players who have protested the national anthem.
0: Preston's reverence for those who have served our nation reminds us of why we salute our flag, why we put our hands on our hearts for the Pledge of Allegiance, and why we proudly stand for the national anthem.
1: There was a lusty roar from the GOP side, and Democrats shifted uncomfortably in their seats. Trump, instead of moving on, turned and applauded toward the cheering Republicans. Once again, it underscored how the president struggles to unify the country precisely because he and his agenda are so divisive. A central theme of the speech was Trump's ongoing bid to eviscerate the Obama legacy, The biggest news of the night might have been his announcement that he had just signed an executive order to keep the prison at Guantanamo Bay open. In fact, he said he's going to expand it. This undoes an Obama-era push to reduce the population there. One of Obama's biggest regrets during his time in office was that he was never able to close the prison. Trump then boasted that Republicans have repealed the core of what he called, quote, the disastrous Obamacare. Domestic policy advisor Stephen Miller's fingerprints were all over the speech. He is a nativist who used to work for Jeff Sessions. You could tell that he had written the speech as Trump offered a full-throated defense of his brand of nationalism.
0: My duty and the sacred duty of every elected official in this chamber is to defend Americans, to protect their safety, their families, their communities, and their right to the American dream. Because Americans are dreamers, too.
1: This was part of a long hardline riff on immigration that showed it's going to be really hard to reach a deal anytime soon and that Trump really doesn't plan to budge off his demand that there be a reduction in the number of legal immigrants in exchange for giving legal status to the dreamers, those undocumented immigrants who were brought here as children. Trump has so poisoned the well during his short tenure that Democrats, except for red state senators who are up for reelection this year, don't even really want to work with him on the areas where he did extend some olive branches, such as spending $1.5 trillion on infrastructure, creating paid family leave, cutting prescription drug prices, and easing prisoner reentry into society. Last night, with people boycotting the speech and a lot of very strong Democratic rhetoric afterwards, it was quite hard to see much getting done in Washington. In 2018. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, the White House's original pick for U.S. Ambassador for South Korea will no longer be nominated. The Trump administration's change of heart came after Victor Cha privately disagreed with Trump's North Korea policy. He said that the US should not consider what some are calling a quote bloody nose strike against Pyongyang because Of course, it would only lead to escalation and possibly all-out nuclear war. Cha, an academic who's well-respected in conservative circles and served in the George W. Bush administration, raised these concerns with members of the National Security Council. He also objected to the administration's threats to tear up a bilateral trade deal with South Korea. Again, this was behind the scenes, but it was enough to scuttle his nomination. South Koreans are worried because they were excited he was going to be picked. Meanwhile, Air Force General Paul Selva, the vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, said that the United States military is confident it can destroy most of North Korea's nuclear missile infrastructure if necessary. Number two, top Justice Department officials made a last-ditch appeal to the White House on Monday night to stop the release of a memo that alleges abuses by the FBI. The attempt came shortly before the House Intelligence Committee voted on party lines to make that document public. Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein and FBI Director Chris Wray warned Chief of Staff John Kelly that the memo could jeopardize national security and compromise sources and methods. Rosenstein, who's supervising the Mueller investigation into Russian meddling in the 2016 election, said the Justice Department is not convinced the memo accurately describes its investigative practices. In response, Kelly told Rosenstein and Ray that the president still wants to release the memo. Trump told a Republican congressman after his State of the Union address last night that he will, quote, 100 percent allow the release of the memo in the next few days. Number three, Hillary Clinton expressed regret about retaining a advisor on her 2008 campaign who was accused of repeated sexual harassment. Clinton attempted to explain her decision in a lengthy Facebook post after her faith advisor Burns Strider was accused of sexual harassment Hillary's campaign manager recommended strongly that he be fired, but Clinton, who really liked Strider, instead demoted him, docked his pay, and transferred the woman, the victim, who made the accusation to another department. At the time, she said she thought her punishment was severe enough, but she now says she regrets taking a more lenient course. She wrote, quote, if I had to do it again, I wouldn't. In related news, Chicago businessman Todd Ricketts is expected to become the finance chair of the Republican National Committee today after casino mogul Steve Wynn was forced to resign amid accusations of serial sexual misconduct. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, January 31st. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this last day of the month. I'm James Holman, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.